Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of John. We begin with the word of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks that you abide with us and that you are with us through every phase of our lives, watching over us with your mercy. We ask you, Lord, that this day you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that we may be able to discern when and how you are working in our lives and to produce fruit for your kingdom. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, the Lord Jesus says these words to us, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What does that look like? What does it look like to have a life that abides in Jesus and a life that has Jesus abide in it. Now, to abide in something is just another way of saying to remain. What does it mean then to remain in Jesus, to remain with Jesus and to have Jesus remain with us? Well, we can at least say this much today. To have a life that is in Jesus, that abides in Jesus and remains in Jesus is a life that begins at baptism. For in baptism, Jesus comes to us and makes promises to us. When you were baptized, Jesus made very clear promises. He promised you that all of your sins are forgiven. He promised you that He would never leave you and He would never forsake you. He promised that you would have the gift of everlasting life. In fact, the Scriptures say it this way, baptism now saves you. So that when you were baptized, Jesus promised you that you are one of those who is saved. In other words, in baptism, Jesus said, the death I died on the cross, that was to forgive your sins. My resurrection, that was a promise for you, that you too will rise to be with me forever. And so this life that abides in Jesus begins at baptism because all of these promises come to us in baptism and they are true. This promise, this word then comes to us and abides with us and remains with us. You are baptized. Therefore, the word remains, and Christ abides. Now, this word that remains with us, that is given to us in our baptism and remains with us, is not a docile word, but it's a very living, active word in our lives. And it begins, as Jesus says today, to produce fruit. I love the imagery Jesus uses. I think it's a beautiful picture where he says, our relationship is like this. I am a vine, and you are the branch. And when you are attached to me, there is going to be a great deal of fruit that is produced in your life. Now, we may not always see that fruit being produced, but nonetheless, Jesus promises us that it is there. And if we want to know what that fruit is, I mean, I think we could say it a little more straightforwardly here. Uh, it's, It's the good works that the Holy Spirit is producing in our lives. The works that the Holy Spirit produces and are guided by and filled with, as as we read in the book of Galatians, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit, the Scripture calls. So that when we have Christ and Christ abides with us and we are in Him, we are producing that sort of fruit. For you are baptized and the Word remains and Christ abides. I saw a wonderful picture of this. I saw, I actually experienced what this looks like this last week uh, in meeting with our 8th grade confirmation students. Uh, confirmation is, is two weeks, I believe, from today, and we're very excited about this. 
Uh, and every year before we have confirmation, uh, I meet with the 8th graders. Typically, Pastor Matt and I are working with the 6th and 7th graders, and Jim works with the 8th graders. Uh, but towards the end, I have my time to sort of uh, grill the 8th graders, and they are very terrified, and it's a lot of fun. Because I want to hear everything they have learned and what it is they actually believe. Now, I go into this meeting every year very cynical. Because I go in and my mind is tainted by all the statistics and all the stories I've read about how students don't like the Bible anymore and they don't know the Word of God and they hate the church and everyone's leaving and all of this sort of stuff. And I go in and my hopes are never very high. But man, this last week, I found that there was no reason for me to feel that way. Because those kids nailed it. It was a lot of fun. I was asking them. I started easy, and then I realized to go harder, and we had hard questions and difficult discussions, and they were bringing the truth, and they were grappling with the truth, and it was really just a beautiful thing to see because as I was engaging them with the questions about the Word of God, they knew the answers, and you could tell they believed the answers. And what I saw there was the fruit of the Spirit. It was this fruit being produced in their life by the Lord. For those students are baptized, and the word remains, and Christ abides. And I realize once they get confirmed here in a couple of weeks, this is great because now it's just going to be smooth sailing for them. Their sanctification will grow, they won't have any more troubles, they'll just live this perfect, happy, blessed life because they know Jesus and they got it all figured out. They're attached to the vine, right? Maybe not. That's not how it works, is it? And I'm sure we've all heard those stories of someone who gave their life to Jesus and all their problems were figured out and everything went happy and smooth the rest of their life. But quite frankly, I don't believe those stories. Uh, and what's more, I don't think the Bible tells us that's how it's going to be. In fact, the scriptures seem to say that, it, it, the scriptures seem to say, they actually say, that if you are a, a branch that is connected to the vine of Jesus, you're going to go through some pruning. And pruning is not fun. Pruning is painful and messy, and it can be rather difficult to go through a time of pruning. Jesus says, every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes that it may bear more fruit. To produce fruit in this life of faith, to, to abide in Jesus with a life that produces fruit can be a very difficult and painful thing at times. But it's through that process of pruning that the fruit comes. So, for example, I, I was thinking about it this last week. I was on a very unfruitful website called Twitter. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, it's not sanctified. Nonetheless, there's some good things that happen on Twitter. Uh, and this last week, I saw a woman, and she asked this question. The, the question she asked was this. What has helped you grow in your prayer life? We might think of prayer as a fruit of the Christian life, right? I mean, Jesus has come to you and promised that he will hear your prayers, and so we trust that promise, and so we go to him in our struggles and with our trials, and we go to him in prayer. And so prayer is sort of the voice of faith. So it's a fruit of being connected to the vine. So we want to know, what is it that helps you grow in your prayer life? Now, was it somebody? I'd be very curious to hear your answers, and I wonder if it was somebody coming along and barking orders at you, saying, you'd better pray more or else Jesus doesn't like you very much. If you're not praying hard enough, you're not praying long enough, then maybe Jesus isn't listening. Was it someone barking orders and threatening you? My guess is no. 
Maybe you bought a book, and that book had all of these steps you needed to follow so you could finally have a faithful prayer life and have all of your stuff figured out. You followed that regiment perfectly, and now your prayer life is blooming. My guess, that's not it either. I don't know what it is for you that has helped you grow in your prayer life, if you have grown in your prayer life, but as I was looking back on my own life, I realized I know exactly what it is that's helped me grow in my prayer life. Stress and anxiety. <laughs> Struggles, difficult time at work, frustrations in the home, anxiety about the future. Those are the things that drive me to my knees in prayers, the temptations of the world, the attacks of the devil, my own struggles with sin. Those are the things that drive me back to the Lord Jesus because they remind me of my weaknesses. They show me where I'm falling short. They show me where I am in need. And I am driven to pray by those things because I'm driven back to the promise that I am baptized and that the word remains in Christ abides. See, it's in our troubles, in our difficulties, and in our, in our struggles where the Lord Jesus is actually using those things to prune us so that we will produce more fruit. And it's so counterintuitive for us, right? Because so often we think that if we're going through a hard time, if we're facing difficulties, if we're experiencing something painful, this must be the result of God abandoning me or God being upset with me or God punishing me for something. But as it would seem from the scriptures today, it's quite the opposite. Jesus is not abandoning you in your time of trouble. You were baptized. The word remains and Christ abides and he's promised to never leave you and never forsake you. What's more, he's using those difficulties to prune you. Think, for example, of St. Paul, the author of a good portion of our New Testament. He wrote a number of letters in the New Testament. One of them, uh, he wrote two letters we know of at least to the Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, he tells them this account of his life. When at one point he was in such agony over what he calls a thorn in his side that he found himself crying out to God for mercy. Now we don't know what the thorn in his side was, but we do know that it was driving him mad. That three times, he said, I cried out to the Lord. It wasn't like three times he went to bed and said, Dear Jesus, take away my thorn. No, he is like wrestling with God and he is suffering through something very painful. And he's crying out to God for mercy. He's crying out for God to take the thorn away. And God's response to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. And it was from that place of Paul's weakness that the Holy Spirit produced the fruit of the New Testament. It was from that place of Paul's suffering that he penned many of the letters that have formed and shaped the way we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gave to us his word. It was through that suffering and thorn in Paul's side that he went forth and became one of the most significant evangelists in the history of the world. You see, Paul was baptized, and the word remains in Christ abides. I read a story this past week on a website that I work on. I don't know if you know this. I work on this website called uh, The Craft of Preaching, and it's a website where we put together help, sermon helps for pastors who are preparing to preach for the next Sunday. And one of the articles on there this past week, uh, talking about this text, shared a story that I thought was rather appropriate. Uh, the author wrote about a man that he knew when he was a pastor. He's a seminary professor now, but when he was a pastor who was going to his church and had just been through a very terrible and painful divorce. 
The man said that before his divorce, he would like to take his kids to sporting events every Sunday, kind of avoid church. But after the divorce, he started bringing the kids to church every single Sunday. The author wrote this. In the divorce, this man watched everything he had built up in his marriage crumble. As he puts it, at the end of the day, all I had left was Jesus. And when I hit rock bottom, Jesus was there. So now I'm building my life on Jesus. The author goes on, Amid this disaster, the father was working, pruning, and drawing this man closer to Jesus so that now Jesus bears more fruit in his life. For you see, that man was baptized, and the word remains, and Christ abides. When sin has had its way with us and it's left us on the side of the road suffering, when we face struggle and trial of any kind, when our world seems shattered all around us and everything seems to be falling apart, we are yet baptized and the Word remains in Christ abides. And this is true through every phase of our life, whether it's immediately right when we're baptized as children and we grow up in the faith through confirmation, and then we begin to face the struggles and the trials and the difficulties all around us, and we have our highs and we have our lows. Wherever we find ourselves in this life, we are baptized and the Word remains and Christ abides, even to the point of death, through death, beyond. This last week I was talking with one of the dear saints at our church. Uh, he's a shut-in. He's unable to come and join us in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, so uh, I went to visit him. And he was telling me the story of the day his wife died. And this is an incredible story, and I asked his permission if I could share it with you, and, and he said yes. Uh, the account goes like this. His wife was, was dying in, in the hospital, and so he got a phone call uh, from the doctors that the time was pretty close, and so he should come down and see her. And so he made his way to the hospital and he went to the room. And as he saw his wife lying there dying, excuse me, he said to her, uh, he saw that there was something wrong. And she couldn't talk at this point for, for whatever reason. I can't remember the exact reason, but she was unable to speak. Uh, but he said that he could tell from her eyes that she was afraid. Like, there was just, uh, just a sense of anxiety and her body was stiff, he said, like a board. And so he went over and he, he sat next to her and he kind of lifted her up in his arms. And he looked at her and he could tell that she was frightened because she didn't really know what was coming. She was facing death and it was, it was scaring her. And so she says, uh, I, I looked at her and I said, Now, Mariel, Mariel, you remember what your mom taught you in Sunday school, right? You remember what she said. I knew I shouldn't have used this illustration. I'm going to fall apart. Because <laughs> you remember what your mom said, right? How Jesus loves you. How he died to forgive all your sins and how you were to follow him with your whole life. Well, Mariel, you did that. You followed him with your whole life, we might say. You remained in him, and he remained in you. And so now, you're going to go be with him. Remember what she told you, how your sins are forgiven? You are forgiven. So this won't be the last time we see each other. And you know what? Now, you're going to a better place. And he knew he could say that to her, because he knew she was going to go be with Jesus. And at this point, he said, after he said these words to her, she completely relaxed, and she smiled, and she looked at him, and they just sat there for a while. And he said it was a wonderful thing, because he knew that the comfort of Jesus was back with her, and she knew now what was coming, and all of her fear was gone. And so he said, as he's, 
something in the air here. Uh, as he's leaving the room, he says, I knew it was like the last time I was going to see her, so I turned around to look at her one last time, and I thought she'd be fast asleep and kind of just knocked out on the bed. And he said, she was like sitting bolt upright in the bed, and she was grinning from ear to ear, and she winked at him. That's the last time he saw her was her winking at him. And she winked with joy and hope and confidence. She was baptized. The word remains and Christ abides. And so now today, to you who are baptized, you can hear this truth. That no matter what you are facing in your life right now, the word remains and Christ abides. All of us here are being pruned in one way or another. And maybe for you right now, the pruning doesn't seem all that bad. That you're going through a change or you're facing something in your life and it's actually not that bad. And you're feeling a lot of joy and a lot of confidence. That might be your situation. And some of you might be here this morning with the exact opposite. Where you feel like you've been pruned a little too close and you're not really sure there's any more branches that could possibly be cut off. But it seems like more pruning is coming and it's just a little bit too much. Some of you are dealing with very difficult physical situations. Some of you are very sick. Some of you are helping people who are very sick. Some of you are facing the future with confidence, and some of you are facing it with fear. Some of us here today are just a big mix of all of that stuff. But no matter where you are today, you have this confidence. You are baptized so that for you the word remains and Christ abides. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you are the vine and we are the branches. Lord Jesus, remain in us that we would remain in you and bear much fruit. Sustain us through our times of pruning, O Lord. And keep us in your care, carrying us all the way into everlasting life. It's in, the name, it's in your name we pray, Jesus.